Hey everybody, episode 8. Today we're going to reflect on, look at, explore um, the Magi, or the Three Kings, or the Three Wise Men, or um, Baltazar, Melchior, and what? Let's see, Caspar. Uh, Alright, let's get into this. Welcome to the Gumberza Podcast, where we explore the intersections of social justice, faith, and action. I hope this helps us continue growing and serving God by serving the people. I am your host, Janelle. Here's things that may be new to you. Alright, so here we are in 2020. Happy New Year. I could say Happy New Year because... Lunar New Year wasn't that long ago, so it still applies. I spent uh, January basically regrounding, regrouping, trying to be intentional about how I'm going to spend this year. Uh, I feel like I'm still trying to figure that out. This is also my last year of my 30s, so I want to make it a good one before I enter into the next decade. Um, I spent my birthday uh, marching at the... Global Day of Action of No War on Iran. And I joined that mobilization in San Francisco. There was a lot of things going on. Um, We'll not get into that right now. But I do think that uh, as we look at the story of the Magi who are said to have come from modern-day Iran, that we also think of... um, that region now especially as christians since we see these places as holy like being mindful of the people that live there these are the same type of people that fill our stories in the bible and so i think uh this story of the magi is a very timely one not only because of epiphany but because of all the things that are going on in our world i find it ironic that you know Christians with their nativity scenes of the three kings of the three wise men from Persia um, will also support a war in that in that region. So anyway, let's start off with reading from the gospel, uh, the gospel reading from Matthew chapter two, verses one through twelve. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in the territory of Judea during the rule of King Herod, Magi came from the east to Jerusalem. They asked, Where's the newborn king of the Jews? We've seen his star in the east, and we've come to honor him. When King Herod heard this, he was troubled, and everyone in Jerusalem was troubled with him. He gathered all the chief priests and the legal experts and asked them where the Christ was to be born. They said, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what the prophet wrote, You, Bethlehem, land of Judah, By no means are you least among the rulers of Judah, because from you will come one who governs, who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the Magi and found out from them the time when the star had first appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search carefully for the child. When you found him, report to me, so that I too may go and honor him. When they heard the king, they went and looked Uh, The star that they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stood over a place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with Mary, his mother. 
falling to their knees they honored him then they opened their treasure chests and presented him with gifts of gold frankincense and myrrh because they were warned in a dream not to return to herod they went back to their own country by another route 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 so that's uh, where the reading ends and um, just a little bit of background right this is the season of epiphany epiphany doesn't end until february 27th which is ash wednesday so during this time during the season christians are called to um, look at the ways that god is being revealed in our everyday lives epiphany means showing forth or manifestation there's a lot of focus around light around stars all that stuff so this is a time when we look at the Magi who followed a star, who followed the light. Um, according to scholars, the legend of them being kings came from medieval legend. Their names don't appear till 500 years after Jesus' birth. I know some Catholics are, you know, quizzed on what their names are. I never knew what their names were until adulthood. And not like I believe that these are really their names, right? Medieval times is when their names came. Uh, so... The assumption that there were three of them is because there are three gifts named frankincense, myrrh, and gold. And I think that because these gifts were expensive as hell, I guess that's why they, you know, went from magi to kings, I guess, because they see kings as rich people. And I guess they didn't really know what magi were. And I guess that's also why we assume that they're men. Uh, in fairly recent years, maybe the past 10 years... 15 years scholars have raised questions about their gender since magi doesn't imply anything in regards to their gender and in the time of jesus the magi were held in high esteem as scientists as educated scholars some believe that these particular magi were astrologers or magicians from babylon and they may have come from iran and may have practiced the zoroastrian religion the word magi is where we get the word magic. And I say all of this about their background because it's a good reminder, I think, to all of us, to us Christians, that these magi were not Christian and probably didn't leave Jesus as Christian converts. Uh, yeah. These magi, they were seen as having the ability to interpret dreams, to control demons. And these are skills. These are the type of skills that are sprinkled throughout ancient Hebrew stories, you know, and throughout the Bible. Joseph ended up being in the Pharaoh's court. You know, Joseph with the coat, the colorful coat, technicolor dream coat, uh, because he could interpret dreams, right? Angels and messengers come in dreams and visions. Jesus and the disciples in the book of Acts and um, New Testament, they were... Casting out demons, commanding demons. These days, we might see these things as too woo-woo, too, um, whatchamacallit, metaphysical, or even unchristian. But these things were integral parts of the story of the relationship between the Hebrew community and God. Naming these skills, I think, and this context reminds us that the divine can come through in various modes. Not just through one book, not just through one religion, not just through one way of being. The divine can come through in various modes. So to me, we have a text, we have a story that supports interfaith relationships. It supports exploring and really going on your spiritual path and figuring things out. Um, 
affirming various modes for journeying, for searching, for seeking. It's, you know, if we look at the story this way, it's actually pretty cool. The Magi go around the community in Jerusalem asking where their child is. Herod the king summons the Magi. Herod, rich and powerful, has an interest in staying rich and powerful. It's typical elite class behavior, typical ruling class behavior to protect their interests, to protect their class interests. This ruling class, as, um, as uh, shown to us through Herod, this ruling class, they're willing to hold on to the status quo in order to protect their abundance despite it being at the expense of widespread poverty, the destruction of creation, the exploitation of the masses, the widening gap between the rich and the poor. Class is a big deal here, and power is a big deal here in this story. It's no coincidence that the story of Jesus' birth, we have a rich king that is seeking to destroy the one that God calls to lead the people, the one who was born in a manger. The story of Jesus' birth is one that puts these two in contrast with one another, a baby born a refugee in a manger versus a king colluding with the Roman Empire. From the beginning, this story highlights class opposition and reminds us to what extent Herod and those with similar wealth and power are willing to do to hold on to the status quo that keeps them comfortable. To the point of even, of even putting out an edict for the genocide of every firstborn in his territory. And I'd like to note that Herod knows these are Jewish folks, by the way. Um, which is why in this instance, class analysis is important as opposed to their ethnic identity. Right? Why are these two opposed to each other? Um, because their interests are different. Their need for survival is in contrast with one another in the system of empire that they are in. Speaking of class, the Magi bring expensive-ass gifts along with the provisions and resources they need to travel the distance that they traveled. You know, they didn't just go there, uh, three of them on camels or whatever. Um, they had to bring food. It was a long journey. They had to bring means for shelter, tents, whatever, they, being Magi, also probably needed guards because of their, you know, the things that they were bringing with them because of the provision, provisions they were bringing with them. And on top of that, they probably had some servants and assistants, you know, and hella camels, maybe. More than the three. More than what is portrayed in nativity scenes, this caravan must have been. It was a risky trip. One that would leave them vulnerable, crossing the wilderness in this type of caravan. It was a risk they were willing to take. That's how important this newborn and the star was for them. It's in the midst of this political turmoil that we find the Magi searching. The context is far from allowing them to choose neutrality between the rich and the poor. This is life and death. They arrived in Jerusalem asked around for this child that would be born the king of the Jews, or the new hope for an oppressed people. The Magi are compelled to find this baby, to honor this baby, to pay witness to this baby's existence. Or maybe they saw it as their responsibility or duty. These Gentiles, these non-Jewish people coming from afar, who weren't followers of the Jewish faith, took the time, resource, effort, risk to find someone 
who was born to be the promise of a community that wasn't even their own. They were wealthy, or at least they had way more access or resources. They were from a much more privileged class than Jesus and his family and most of his community. The Magi had more in common with Herod than with Jesus. You know, neither of them had to work with their hands. And yet, the Magi chose to betray Herod by returning to their own country by another route, even though Herod specifically asked them to swing by his place to tell them where Jesus was. Not only choosing to betray Herod, but to betray the interests of their own class. Who the Magi stood alongside wasn't Herod, who was also of the elite class, who was also of the ruling class. The Magi stood alongside this poor family that would play a key role in the liberation of their people, in the liberation of common people. Instead of supporting and aligning with the wealthy ruling class, which may be the natural and easy thing for people in their positions to do, they went out of their way to protect those of a peasant class. Even though they came from an elite class, their class stance was with the masses, the common folk the majority who were toiling under an oppressive empire. With this decision to take another route, the Magi supported liberation by, for, and with the common folks. Their decision wasn't dictated by the fear of their own loss, you know, losing power or gaining a poor reputation from Herod. Their decision was made with the concern and compassion for those considered the lowest in society. Their decision was made through listening to their dreams, through listening to their intuition, through having some kind of knowledge of what was going on socio-politically, economically. In avoiding the route back to Herod, they took the subversive anti-empire route of Christ. The Magi were willing to be uncomfortable and to take risks for the good of the whole and for the advancement of something bigger than themselves. I don't know if they end up being activists as we might define them. I don't know if they end up engaging in whatever, overturning the uh, system or anything like that. But these non-Jewish, non-Christian people of some status had something revealed to them. They probably didn't leave converted to another religion or, system belie- or another system of belief, but they were led to truth that would compel them towards this small, seemingly small act of justice this seemingly small act of resistance against tyranny and genocide. They protected this baby of refugees, of a peasant family, that in the grand scheme of things, they could have treated as inconsequential and none of their business. They could have just been complicit to Herod. They could have just taken the same route back. (sighs) Anyway... For this season, I hope that light in the midst of bleak times reveals to us where we as individuals, where we as communities are being called to let go of some of our own comforts, to let go of our own usual routes and familiar ways of being and familiar ways of moving, familiar ways of um, journeying in order to take up the risks that resistance requires. I hope that we make faithful, subversive decisions along the way to be courageous enough to take a different route, to recognize and participate in liberation, in genuine and just peace, and hope breaking into our world.
into our everyday lives and into all of our relationships. With everything that's going on in this world today, man, fuck empire, fuck U.S. imperialism, and fuck these U.S. imperialist wars. And if you haven't joined any mobilizations yet, there was the Global Day of Action, as I had mentioned at the beginning of this podcast. Um, there was also Reclaim Martin Luther King mobilizations, um, remembering that Dr. King stood up against the war um, and connected the struggles of folks in Vietnam with workers in the U.S., with racism in the U.S. Um, if y'all weren't able to celebrate those things yet, I hope that you are inspired to take action with the International Working Women's Day. Here in the Bay Area in Oakland, we're going to mobilize on March 8th. Not exactly sure how that's going to look yet, but please reserve that date. Um, there will be time for those of you who go to church to come through in the afternoon. It will start at about at, uh, 1 p.m. So I hope to see you out there if you're in the Bay. In the meantime, serve Christ, serve the people. Peace.